Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. I'm Trey Kaufman, and it's my goal to inspire as many individuals as possible to design the lives they've always wanted to live. As you're listening to my conversation with Michael, please consider leaving a five-star review. Last week, I mentioned I was given the chance to reconnect with several former guests of the podcast, among whom was Michael Goddard, who was one of the first to reach out to me. Michael and I have stayed in contact since we were first connected last year, and I've always been very appreciative of the kindness he shows. As I have more and more of these conversations, it's very clear that some people just get it. Now, what it is can probably be left up to interpretation, but based on what I know about my life and what I've accomplished, their it is very personal. I remember sitting across the bar from my friends a long, long time ago, wondering what it would be like once or if we got our shit figured out. The problem was, and I wouldn't be surprised if anyone who thinks they don't have their shit together feels this way, I think we just assumed that meant that we would start to blend in with the crowd around us. Suits, jobs disguised as careers, lives we assumed we were supposed to live. I bring that up because when I finally understood what having my shit together meant to me, it was none of those things. I finally got it, and Michael is someone who's gotten it for a very long time. And the wisdom he continues to share about his life has helped not only me, but many others in their own search for their it. Michael Goddard, MFA, is the author, most recently, of In Search of Lost Lives, a winner of the American Book Fest Best Book Award, the Living Now Book Award, the Body, Mind, Spirit Book Award, and the National Indie Excellence Award. His new transformative book, A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler Self, gives readers an invaluable guide to awakening and empowering their higher consciousness so that they can readily navigate their life successfully, happily, easily. When readers embark on this journey, they will experience a treasure trove of practical wisdom that will guide them step-by-step to their new now. A New Now has been named a winner of the Living Now Book Award and the Independent Publisher Book Award. Please welcome back to the podcast, my good friend, Michael Goddard. Michael, how are you? I'm just great. I'm happy and content, Trey. I'm glad to hear that. Those are two of my favorite favorite words. So I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad that you're you're feeling happy, content, and I'm glad that uh, that you're doing well. And I'm glad that we're able to connect again. It's it's been a little while since we spoke, and I'm looking forward to catching up. I am too. How uh, how has your the start of your 2022 been? Uh, it it's really been superb. It's, it's sort of been a little bit about rising above. Um, Things that don't happen, you know, the way you you want them to or expect them to, rising above uh, just inefficiencies. It's just you know we live in an imperfect world, and and that's just something to accept. But I've never been more content and happy. I'm uh, very happily immersed in new writing, a new book, um, and just with my meditation and my reading, I'm I'm just a happy camper. 
I'm so glad to hear that. I, I want to talk about rising above the inefficiencies and the things that don't necessarily allow us contentment necessarily. But but first of which, I want to not brag, but I want to I want to be I want to express to you that I have been meditating daily for the past month or so, and I know that was a topic of conversation previously, and I'm I'm very happy to report that I I, I have been doing so, and it's it's. It obviously feels good. I, I, I have a much calmer sense of mind and, and mindfulness. And the weird thing is, and I, this is going this is going to sound very weird, and maybe you can enlighten me a little bit. But my, the weird thing is, my I, I feel like my cat of all things have have noticed my my meditation practice. The, for for a, a period of a few months, I, I felt like my cat was a, a bit anxious, a bit on edge, especially around me. Uh, play, you know, being playful would turn into attack mode, but. Honestly, to the day, as, as I've started meditating, I, I don't know if there was a different presence about me, but we've had a much better relationship. And I know I'm sounding very sad in saying that, but I mean, I, I do love my cat. But it was just, it's just weird that the what you are able to do for yourself and the, the good practices you have for yourself, they very much shine outward, even if you don't necessarily feel like you're expressing them. Yeah, that's very true. It's great to hear you talk about your cat. And it's not surprising to me at all. When I first started meditating, uh, well, actually, when I started a new meditation, when I was 20, I've been meditating daily since I was 19. But when I got initiated into my current practice, when I was 21, uh, I was a senior at UC Berkeley. And every time I started to meditate, my cat would jump on my lap <laughs> and she would just stay there the whole time, uh, even when she was pregnant. Yeah. So um, animals really uh, pick up on your energy. I have an extremely kind of active dog. He's a Berger Blanc Suisse, which is a Swiss wise shepherd. And he's, he's a real alpha dog, a very friendly alpha dog. But yeah. people ask him, well, what's he like at home? And I just say, well, he's just so serene and peaceful and quiet, uh, un- unless there's a little infringement on, right. on our territory. Then, then he barks and he terrifies people. But uh, animals really pick up on your energy. And so do people on, on whatever level th- they're at. I mean... Different gurus have stated, um, if you want to change the world, you know, meditate. Um, You know, certain leaders who have been acting quite aggressively lately, if they had a a beautiful practice of meditation, which they practice daily, I think we'd have a very different international situation. I agree with you. And I'm I'm actually really, really glad that you brought up brought that up. Now, listen, I, I want to make the disclaimer, this is not a political show by any means, but as things and tensions rise in the Ukraine and, and Russia, it starts, people start to see the headlines and wonder, not necessarily how is this going to affect me financially, because that's obviously always a concern. But I mean, is this going to cause mass destruction to the rest of the world. And that can breed a lot of anxiety. So you talk about rising above inefficiencies and rising above problems, rising above things out of our control. I mean, in a situation like this, where we're just coming out of a a worldwide pandemic, I mean, we're still in it. And then, you know, we're facing uh, another major international challenge. It can be very important, beneficial to have that 
that centerness, that that grounding, that peace of mind. How is that? How do you approach that? Well, uh, I approach it. I mean, by you know, I encourage people to if they don't meditate to 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 seek for for the practice that best resonates with them, and and to, to practice it. But you know, we we want to cultivate uh, a whole aura of detachment. Yeah. And the way you, you become detached from something like anxiety is to become attached to something higher. I mean, we're, we're in a very kind of theoretically precarious situation. Um, you, you know, I mean, we're in a situation where, you know, it reminds me of the Cuban Missile Crisis when my, you know, I was just, just a youngster and my parents were pretty anxious about it and they said, you know, we may not see you tomorrow right. uh, when you go to bed. And uh, we could easily, we, we don't know where, where we're headed. But the same thing is you could take a, a short flight you've taken many times before, lasting less than an hour, and you can find yourself in a, in, in a scarier situation yeah. uh, where you, you have to have presence of mind. So you, the way, I mean, the, the mind is just this, I, I write about the mind a lot in my most recent book, A New Now, uh, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving yeah. Equilibrium and Empowering Your Nobler Self. So in that book, I talk, uh, write a, a lot about the mind it being a, a vast sphere, and you can think of all the different types of weather we have in our mind. You can have sleet, you can have hailstorms, you can have thunderstorms, you can have wonderful sultry breezes. Yeah. So meditation practice really evens out the, the weather systems of your mind, so to speak. It oh. really um, enables you to, to rise above all the turbulence you're going through. I mean, you may have something very important at work going on, and you're depending on certain agreements from different co-workers or, or colleagues, and they're not coming through, and you can get into quite a stressful situation. Well, time and time again throughout the day, we need presence of mind, just even knowing what is the optimal way to be and what to do in the moment. And, and that's what I try to get across in the new now. I mean, just writing it helped me immeasurably, and that's the feedback I'm getting from people. And, and having a daily spiritual practice is, is really the key. And of course, you know, the challenge is finding the right one for you. And, and that's where coming uh, to rely on your intuition comes in. And really empowering yourself to be a seeker. Uh, I, I say often in my interviews that being a seeker, a seeker after the truth, is your highest calling. Until we become the truth, Trey, we are all seekers. And truth is really, really synonymous with the highest consciousness there there is, the supreme being. Yeah, I um, I love everything you just said, and uh, there, and there's a, a lot of yeah, there are a lot of different directions you can we can go with that, but uh, absolutely. Well, in, in direct relation to meditation, uh, your analogy uh, about the weather was was perfect for me in particular. Um, I have found a recent 
I guess, infatuation and hopefully a practical one at some point uh, with paramotoring. And for those uninitiated, it's basically you have a parachute or a wing and then you have a you have a big butt fan pretty much. Yeah, you strap a big uh, motor to your back and then you can even you fly, uh, which is something that I, I really, really want to do. And so I've been watching a lot of videos and you think about the clouds and you think about the, the what, you know, in aviation terms, the ceiling and it's gray and dreary. But then you get above that and it's like the most beautiful sky you've ever seen in your life. And I, I like how you talk about rising uh, essentially above that uh, through the meditation and mindfulness that I don't know, in, in my mind, it just it made perfect sense. And it, it was a, a sense of calming, understanding that we all have the ability to rise through the clouds, no matter how thick and how turbulent they are. Right. I mean, somebody very close to you can die. And yeah. many of us have lost people in the past year or two. And somebody uh, it can just fall apart and be a wreck and and cling and cling to that person, really kind of preventing them from continuing their journey beyond this their past physical life. Or the other person can just say, this is God's will. God knows best where, where that soul and mind is headed. I'm you know, sending love and letting go. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In regard to death, I, I, I don't think we've really spoken this about this before, but it's it obviously something that we've all thought a bit about um, in, in the past couple of years. Some people, I think, try to avoid the thought uh, of death or, or meditating on death, which I get. Trust me, I get. But I think there's a lot of power, uh, a lot of power in thinking about our own mortality. Um, and for me, in doing so, it's been very, very motivating. It's the realization that, to your point, we could hop on a plane and it could all end in a moment is just the kick I need to say, hey, I've always wanted to accomplish starting a couple of podcasts or owning my own business or anything like that. What am I waiting for? I mean, what, what sense do I have to say that I'll, I'll start it next week as instead of, you know, right now where I would rather be watching TV? It's just the, the, the thought about death, it is a scary one, but to me, it can also be a very empowering one. Is that something you think about often? Oh, yeah, every day. I mean, we, we live in a, uh, a death-denying culture. Yeah. Uh, and when I was a kid, I, I knew about death at an early age because when I was five, I started to raise tropical fish. And unfortunately, every few weeks or month, I'd see a fish floating on the top of the, uh, the water or on the bottom. And I'd have to fish it out with a net and flush it down the toilet. Yeah. And so I literally started to confront death uh, when I turned 11 after we moved to California. And my whole body would just vibrate and I'd break out in a cold sweat. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, why is nobody talking about this? It's going to happen. And, and actually, um, you know, the way I start my book, uh, A New Now, is you've been given the most precious gift, your yes. human life. Before you know it, it will end. Why not make best use of it? Yeah. So um, there are meditation practices where you literally practice dying daily. I mean, uh, realize masters uh, literally go through the process of dying in a minute or two. They withdraw their, their soul currents through their third eye aperture. It's an energetic aperture we have between the eyes uh, 
a little bit above the eyebrows, and they enter a higher plane, a higher plane of being, which has far less uh, physical matter and you know more mental and more spirit. Uh, in Western coinage, is called the the astral plane. Yeah. So meditators who've been meditating their their whole lives they're not afraid of death some actually look forward to it because they, they know they're going to a place of higher consciousness and because they've been meditating daily uh they're not attached to to people to things to things they haven't accomplished so they're they're able to literally they, they've been doing this it's sort of i mean a good analogy is is swimming um yeah People who are are capsized in a boat who've never learned to swim typically can drown unless they're saved. Um, whereas, you know, if you're thrown into a raging stream and and you've been a swimmer all your life, uh, you're you're gonna you're going to succeed. So it's really you know the, the practice of the art of, of dying, and. And it's a beautiful thing because you're contacting higher states of consciousness. You're getting in touch with the eternal, infinite sound, the word of the Bible. Uh, so, so really, I believe you know it, this may strike people in different ways, but I believe we're here for God realization. Yeah. I mean, the human being is the only creature who can is aware and can worship God. The essential question I explore anew now is, how can I live as my aware self? And it's really a daily guide to helping you be present and be aware, as aware as possible throughout the day, and to grow your awareness. I mean, there are people who get to the point of, of honing and developing their intuition where they automatically know what next? What is the next best thing for me to do? And and death really doesn't um, hold any any fear for them. I've been reading about doulies, if that's the way you you pronounce it. These are beautiful care workers who who help people go through death. It's yeah. it's different from hospice, uh, actually. So um, death is an omnipresent reality. I mean, there are people being killed, dying naturally yeah. all, all the time. And it's like, you know, what do you want to do with the rest of your life starting now? Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point, or you brought one up a few moments ago. It's the, I think it's the, I shouldn't generalize, but for a lot of folks, it seems like the attachment to, we can say things or attachment to our relationships with people is what we're afraid of losing. But I, I think a lot of spiritual people, if you're a Christian, you have heaven to look forward to. I think if you're a Buddhist and I'm sure many other religions and philosophies, you're, you're, you'll be reincarnated and looking forward to the next life. Um, so it's that, I guess that it's the, I mean, would you say it's the attachment that uh, that we have here to this physical plane, to the things around us that really breeds that fear? Or, I mean, I guess there's always the 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 basic uh, fear of you know the fear of the the process itself of dying, of 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 pain, of torture, of of that you know short or long lived moment. Yeah, I mean, it can be. Uh, you know, some saints have described it to being stung by a thousand tarantulas. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it's good to, to practice it uh, dying daily. But attachment is what brings us back to this plane over and over again. I mean, desire, you know, is, is the juice that fuels the universe. Um, 
you know, we go through, people may not uh, believe in, in successive lives, which is fine, but um, there are so many explanations I can go into. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, if, if you were to look at um, my, the book I wrote before I knew now, In Search of Lost Lives, yep. I recover 88 past lives and provide exact, precise details of, of life, you know, all kinds of different lives. And human lives where my behavior was, you know, not really kind, actually very hurtful at times, which I lost the opportunity to come back as a human. I reincarnated as an animal and, yeah. and often had a very tough life uh, as an animal. So attachment will keep bringing you here, but I mean, what about becoming attached to becoming soul realized, God realized? That that's really the highest uh, goal we can have. You know, religion uh, is wonderful to have; it's very supportive. But the thing is, uh, for spiritual progress, it's it's always best to have a guide, uh, right. the, the most realized guide you can find. And many religions were were formed in the wake. Of, of the saints or masters, whatever you want to call them, who've departed. I mean, when I ask, you know, I'm, uh, at times I have uh, different kinds of Christians uh, interview me, very active, and I ask them, if you could go back in time and meet Christ, would you want to? And they're astounded and taken aback by the question. And when they recover, they say, yes, absolutely. So, um, we can find, you know, God is a, is all love. The supreme being right. uh, is keener than we can barely, can't even begin to imagine to have us remember that power because that is our true home. So wanting wanting to have that contact is, is very empowering and really helps lift you above the day-to-day Slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, to quote Shakespeare, that occur. I mean, every day is a challenge. It's, it's tough. I mean, if you're not having all kinds of health challenges, you're having challenges at work or with people, um, travel, right. you name it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, you mentioned empowering yourself to be a seeker. Um, I'd like to explore that a little bit more. You gave a little bit of context, but I'm hoping we can dive into what that really means. I mean, yeah, I think I think you mentioned a seeker of truth, correct? Right, right. And yeah, I'm so glad you you came back to that because it's it's just the perfect uh, thing to discuss at this time. Yeah, I I was called to be a, a seeker really when I turned ten. I somehow things just opened up for me, and I started to explore higher consciousness. You know, perhaps the first step for people is to realize you're going to die. It could be 15 years from now. It could be 15 minutes from now. We, we, yeah. we can't predict. And to really value your life and to really focus on how can you make best use of it? Uh, what, what do you want to achieve? Um, and, and actually... In, in the book, A New Now, and the Wisdom of Grooming, I give four different approaches to that, you know, and, and we don't really need to go through that, but that's a great place to start and to focus on your seeking. 
I mean, it may be that you want to create the most beautiful art or music for people, but you're you're tied down to a job and earning a living. Well, you know, I, I write about that and how to go about it. You know, it may be that you you want a reality that does not include suffering. I mean, everybody is suffering on some level at some yeah. point. Yeah. On really the most profound level, we're suffering from separation from our original home, which is, you know, an infinite ocean of love and bliss. Right. So for some people, they may be at the point where I really want an ongoing ex existence that does not include suffering. For some people, they may just want to just go with their desires. Uh, I also feel um, in being a seeker, it's, it's good to examine your regrets. And people often typically do this when they get, get older. I, I do feel it's important to go through life rather than repress and feel, well, this isn't really spiritual enough, it may not be helping me, but to really look what is uh, authentically up for you this lifetime. Yeah. And uh, especially in religions and spiritual practices, people can be apt to judge people and, um, and they may have their own approaches to following and practicing religion or spiritual path. The, the thing is, in being a, a seeker, you always want a home to the truth. Uh, and, and that is really develop, developing the knowing within you which uh, I hope and you now empowers people to develop. So you may get help, you, you may from, from different figures, from different friends, but ultimately your own sense of knowing is the test of truth and where you seek next. And, and really to embrace the idea that you're going to be a seeker your entire life. Now you mentioned, I think you called it paramotoring. Yes. Um, which sounds really thrilling to me and uh, something I, I probably would love to watch, but wouldn't uh, engage in, <clears throat> not for any fear of heights, but right. just, uh, because I, it would not call to me. But if that's something really authentic and something you need to, to follow through on, there may be different friends or relatives who are saying, you're out of your mind, you know, don't, don't even, Think about it, please. For me, don't do it. Well, right. the thing is, you're doing it for your, yourself, and that's that's part of your journey. And you know, hopefully, you you've educated yourself, and you're undertaking all the safety uh, protocols that you you need to. So that's that's living an authentic life, and and I applaud you for it, Trey. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been. Um... It's been fascinating. I, um, I, I've, as I know we talked about previously, uh, the last, I, I, I stopped counting five or six years of personal development. It's, it's fun, I guess, for lack of a better word, to look back year to year, month to month to see the progress that's been made. Um, and so much of it has to do with optimizing inefficiencies in my life and improving things 1% at a time. And I guess recently, um, let's just say the start of this year, I was called to 
well, I shouldn't say I was called to use TikTok more because that sounds very Gen Z and I'm definitely not Gen Z, but I, I, I started utilizing the platform and I started seeing this different side of social media that I'd never seen before. And I, I've come across people who are doing all of these things that they're really, truly passionate about. And even though I, I'm doing what I love in this world and, and owning my own business, owning uh, or operating a podcast, which I, I love the, I guess the, there was some passion that was missing. And that's when I really started to explore video content in relation to aviation and, and not just paramotoring, but uh, drones as well. And so those are things that I've really dove headfirst into because they've, they've brought about a passion in me that I guess I haven't seen in a bit of time. And so just recognizing that was vital for me um, and taking time to nurture that side of myself has been really rewarding. That's, that's wonderful that you're giving yourself um, permission and, and really inspiration to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in regard to TikTok and, and online, I, I know I had uh, re-engaged you um, by, by just exploring some curiosities and, and wondering um, how some of my previous guests, obviously yourself included, are living their best lives. And that's been kind of a, a point of exploration for me, um, particularly in the podcast, definitely in my life. Uh, as the podcast has grown and evolved, it used to really focus on happiness. Now I'm really kind of understanding that so much of that is about designing a life that is really of value to me, um, both from a personal standpoint, also from a relationship standpoint, and also doing the things that I really enjoy. So I, of course, wanted to ask you, what is it that you're doing in your life that is, or I guess, how are you living your best life? And there's no, there's no wrong answer to that. Obviously, I just want to know how you would articulate that. Well, <clears throat> I really actually was, was talking about that at the beginning of, of our conversation. Yeah. Uh, and it's really by giving further emphasis to meditation and and being as aware as I can be every moment, moment to moment, on what is the next best thing to do. Yeah. So it's really uh, living as my uh, aware self and, and knowing myself. I mean, I... You know, although I, I write about spirituality, one of my great loves is fine literature. Yeah. And I'm in like five book clubs, uh, two very actively. So it, it's really, uh, you know, I, I, I love my, my, my fine literature. I'm reading some great classics now, some great books. So it's, it's really all a question of, of knowing yourself. Yes. And, and that's how people can lead their best life. It's, I mean, it's the, the ancient Greek conjunction, know thyself. It's part of being a seeker. I'm, I'm going to come back to that, but I want to ask probably a loaded question here. Do you have any prized books? And I'm just curious. I be a, scratching an itch of a bibliophile uh, yourself so much more than I am, but I, I do love books, and I, I, I do have a couple I'm proud of. So I'm curious if you have any that just stand out as uh, the as your favorites. Well, I mean, if we're, it depends if we're talking fiction or nonfiction. <laughs> <What's> I mean, <laughs> either one, either one. If we're talking novels, like you know, we would need several podcasts for that. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> But if we're talking nonfiction and, and books that really changed my life and 
really reoriented my life. There's just one one book I, I would have to recommend, and that's The Path of the Masters yeah. by Jillian Johnson. It just it's the book I was searching for since I was ten years old and found when I was a senior at Cal when I was twenty one. And it just resonated perfectly with with what I've been looking for, you know, who I was. But you know, the fact is as I explore and in the book In Search of Lost Lives, I've been really actively seeking for a spiritual path and three previous lives. Uh, five lives ago, when I was an Indian businessman, I I was doing Raja Yoga. I was meditating uh, in that practice. So, you know, we all are on our individual paths. We, we shouldn't judge anybody. But, I mean, there are books that can change your life. Uh, and, and more than one book. But, you know, the, the right line or the right a sentence heard at the, the right time yes. can really change your life. I mean, I still remember things people told to me. I you know, have been a bodybuilder for, for decades, although after major surgeries, I, I lost most of my muscle mass. But I had a very close friend who's been out of my life for decades, and he kind of compared his approach to being in the gym to meditating. It was like, you know, I'm here. I'm going to just give it my best effort. Yes. And uh, I often remember that uh, if if I'm being a little lax in my meditation. Yeah, that's such an important lesson. Showing up is, I mean, so it's, it's cliche to say, but showing up is half the battle. I would I would argue it's more than that. And just having going through the reps, some days you're going to have a great day. Other days you're going to have a not so great day. But at the very least, you are showing up so you can continue that practice. Right. I, th I think Woody Allen says something the effect of, 90% of life is just showing up. But yeah. it's, it's really, I mean, for me, it's showing up as your most aware self. Yeah. And <clears throat> it was very interesting because in my the new uh, book I'm writing, I, I needed to go back to look at some journals many years ago. And it was so eye-opening to see what my concerns were and what was weighing on my mind at those times, you know, 25 years ago or whatever. Uh, and I felt really good because I, I'd seen how detached I'd become from, yeah. from these kinds of issues. Um, and another helpful thing, especially if, if you want to embrace being a seeker, is keeping uh, what I call in the new now a journey journal. Yes. And I, I give guidance and instructions in that chapter, the opening chapter of uh, how to approach it. And, and actually, uh, for anyone listening, you can download it for free uh, as a Word doc from my website, goddard.com. And I'll just, if it's okay, I'll spell that out for people. Yeah. It's uh, G-O-D for God and DART, D-A-R-T. So it's G-O-D-D-A-R-T for Tom, dot com. So I, and some of the journal was kept in Word Perfect, which most people aren't familiar with. But it, <laughs> yeah, I but remember. It, oh, do you remember yeah, it? I, I do, just, I do. Uh, all the writers I knew loved it. And then, you know, Word took over the, yeah. the world, the world. Uh, but um, some of it was in Word Perfect, and luckily I was able to uh, convert it to Word. But when you keep a journal uh, as you're moved to, not because it's it's something 
some drudgery you you feel yeah. you have to do, but something you'll love doing because you can really see who you were in the past and embrace it and feel good about what you've you've gone through in this life. Yes. You you bring up such a, a good point. Um, uh, keeping a journal because you feel moved to, not because you feel forced to. I have gone through many, many iterations of different types of journaling. And at times it feels like it's something that is is true to me and true to my values and, and true to my integrity. But there, my life would shift because we don't live in a vacuum. And I would begrudgingly at times say, okay, this isn't necessarily serving me anymore. So I would, I would let it go. And then I would find a new need for a new type of journal. And I would keep that for a while and then let it go. And I've recently been called or felt called to start a different type of journal. I don't know what kind yet, but it's, it's just, I don't know, for me, it's, I, I, I didn't want to do it if it didn't feel right to me. And I, I had to be honest with myself there, but I, I love the idea of a journey journal. I know we spoke about it briefly, uh, on our, our previous conversation. Um, just can, can you give a high level overview of what a journey journal looks for you, look like, looks like for you? Right. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's really empowering yourself to create it as you wish. I mean, yeah. uh, a, a basic decision is whether you're going to handwrite it or, or type it. Right. Uh, and of course, when you're you're typing in a word processing program, it's searchable. And if you're really uh, uh, energetic about it, and you can do handwriting and then transpose it and type it, uh, which which I've done when I, on my uh India journals. All the times I've been to India, I've I've uh, done it by hand, and then I've transposed it uh, to writing. But it, it's really uh, it's about what you want to focus on, what you want to remember. Uh, in the journey journal, you can download. It's it's really the the chapters and section headings that you can journal with within those. So it's I mean, you may want to focus on your intuition for the next month. Right. Uh, so you can you can you can do that. I it's a very intuitive thing for me. So it's sort of hard to to give direction to people other than to focus on your intuition and what you're really moved to write about. I mean, you can start by writing just I, I love the, the phrase people may not be familiar with, but, but the whole idea of free writing. Yes. When I'm starting a section of a book. I'm not starting a section of a book. I'm doing what I call free, free writing. It's sort of like giving yourself permission to write whatever comes yeah. without any type of censorship or judgment or second guessing. Um, so it's just, uh, to me, doing a, a meaningful journal is doing free writing. Yeah. And I also write about clustering um, in a new now about, you know, when you have, I talk about all kinds of essential questions to explore. Actually, that would, those, all, all of those questions would be great takeoffs for journaling. But as a prelude to free, free writing, you may want to cluster. And it's basically, um, I think some people, uh, it's a little bit similar to mind mapping where you uh, have an idea, a question or a concept and you write it in the center of a piece of paper and you draw a circle around it and then you just write whatever comes to mind and it's sort of like spokes coming out of a wheel that's a very very short uh explanation of it yeah but um that is really kind of um tilling your your subconscious to have what needs to come out come out when you 
are doing this clustering. Is that how, is that the, generally the approach you take with writing your books? Um, do you outline or do you, do you kind of start with the, 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 the mind mapping or the free writing and just kind of see where it goes? Well, well I, yeah, I usually often start with uh, clustering. I mean, I, the last few books I've written have really come through literally from my higher consciousness asking, you know, is there a new book to write? Yeah. And and literally starting with the working title word by word, which I've gotten through clustering. So if you're clustering and clustering, you, you often reach a point where you feel you want to write. And so you do this natural transition from clustering or mind mapping to free writing. Yeah. And from free writing, that's uh, if you're going to do something with the free writing, you don't have to do anything with it. You can just leave it alone and go back to it if you want at some point in time. But for me, when I'm writing, I'll go back to the free writing and revise it. I mean, I, I love the whole process of, of writing from, you know, capturing the concept to revising and revising. And then ultimately from the free writing, which I do with a uh, fountain pen, uh, it, it goes into the computer in, in my word program. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm always interested interested to hear the perspective and, and workflow for authors. Um, I, I'm impressed that you love the revision part of it. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who loves editing their own work, but I, I'm sure it can be very empowering to see how you can improve the words you've already put down. Oh, I, I can look at a sentence, and I have well over 50 times. I mean, until uh, I usually don't, you know, let go of something until I feel every word is, is optimal. It's, yeah. it's perfect. So I, I love revision. I mean, and I mean, I mean, really, master musicians will play and play and play and play yeah. and practice yeah. and practice and practice. So and that's really how you know how you can discover your, your calling. I mean, maybe your calling is billiards or bowling. Right. I mean, if if you're just a, a bowler, you're going to want to throw the, you know, bowl over and over and over again, whether it's uh, in an alley, you know, with, with pins or lawn bowling. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, it's really being true to your, your authentic path. Uh, and, and if you love something, you, you love to practice it. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, gra- I'm, I'm glad you bring that back up because a little bit ago we spoke about knowing yourself, um, which it's, it's, to me, it's great to say and practice. I feel like, well, I feel like there's never been a better time to get to know yourself, but I've never, I felt, I also feel like it is one of the most difficult times because we have so much access to information and I, knowing you're getting to know yourself can seems like it can be such a challenge. I don't know. I guess for me, I've always been to be cliche, a jack of all trades and a master at none or very few. But the, the, the point I try to make there is that my attention span, I like to explore new things. I, I've never been one to really stick my nose down and say, I'm going to focus on this for the next 10 years. I, I've always felt like I, I've got more world to explore out there. And I think, you know, not in a negative sense, I, I think that's kind of hurt me in my development of, of certain areas of my life, but it's also allowed me to open up myself to new experiences. So uh, 
knowing, I mean, when you, when we discuss knowing yourself, I don't know if there's practical advice that can allow people to, to figure that out a little bit better, or if you have any insight or anecdotes about how, I mean, you've obviously lived a wonderful life, how you've come to, to know yourself. Right. Well, well, first I want to, I want to speak to your, um, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none, um, really looking into, you know, I, I have a number of friends who are very much like that. Yeah. And if you, you know, you may be in a phase of seeking where you need to keep trying different things right. and you're pulled to do to, and, and ideally without any, any self, any self judgment, uh, at all. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm I'm the kind of I'm really the uh, on the other end of the spectrum is that I'm kind of laser focused in a few areas and and I'm really content following that. That's um, right. But I've been to well over 50 countries. I mean, for many decades in my life, I I traveled an enormous amount. Now, you know, the whole desire to travel is is really fallen away. But you know, to kind of actively pursue knowing yourself, I mean. You know, we talked about keeping a journal. Yeah. I mean, being in nature, being away from people, just walking, uh, letting your mind take in the beauty, you know, the play of light on the foliage, uh, going for walks, being in nature, uh, any kind of sport where you're just kind of in your own zone uh, is, a, you know, you can be aware of being aware of what comes up. Yeah. Um, so it's it's part of the journey knowing yourself and um hopefully you don't you don't get you know frustrated doing it because you, you can't have all the answers all the time all you can right. do is you know what what is optimal in the moment uh, so getting to know yourself is, is also not projecting into the future but learning to live in the now the omnipresent yes. reality that is available to us so does that help at all i mean it I, does I, I do want to explore this as much as you'd like, um, but it absolutely does. Yes. It, but, you know, if I can get a little metaphysical here. Yeah, please. Uh, who who you really are, which is very well explained in the book, I feel, is, is the soul. You, the true you, the true knower, the true observer is your soul and to function in the physical uh, and also in the mental planes of existence you needed to take association with your mind yeah. um, and and the mind uh people mistake who they are for for their mind and and the mind has the mind is typically ruled by your senses i mean so many people in the population they're just really you know addicted to different things right. uh, different what started out as pleasure you know it could be gambling it could be drugs yeah. It, it could be in any kind of lustful thing. So it's really kind of rising above your, your lower mind, your lower impulses. Each of us has a higher mind that we can empower. Uh, we have a nobler self we can empower. But at the moment, we're, we're virtually all mine. But the thing is to remember that the true you uh, is your soul, which is a spark of the divine, which is... Uh, a drop of, of the divine ocean of love and knowing in, yes. in pure consciousness. So that's really who you are. I and mean, that who you've come to be by having so many lives is also being an authentic you. I mean, you've taken this life because of certain desires have what I call congealed into karmas. So 
you know, uh, you may have been had a desire to be an, uh, an arbiter or, you know, go between to help people in dying. Uh, that That is who you can uh, practice and come to know uh, in your current lifetime. That's knowing who you're meant to be in this lifetime. A lot of people uh, suppress authentic desires. And, you know, desire is not a dirty word. It's just right. a very, I mean, it's an omnipresent thing. So I've noticed, you know, when people have gotten older and they're more in touch with mortality, they they change greatly. And it's like, you know, I'm, I mean, like George Bush Sr. did parachuting. Yeah. You know, his wife was not happy with it, but that was something he really wanted to do. And I applaud him for it. Um, so getting to know yourself is really getting to know what you're here to do this lifetime and realizing that you're immortal and being cognizant of the fact that you don't know what you've done in past lives and what's ahead of you. I mean, yeah. you may not believe in reincarnation, but believe me, it's going to happen unless you, you are in a path where uh, you don't need to come back. You complete your uh, your your journey in the physical. Is that, yes. Um, is that, I mean, as you state that, is that, does that stem from the Buddhist philosophy? Or do we talk about nirvana? We do talk about cyclic existence and escaping that once you kind of become the truth? Or is that pulled from other, I don't want to call it religions, but other philosophies? Well, it, it's really the, the kernel of the truth uh, uh, at the beginning of all religions and paths. It, it comes from human beings who are yeah. fully realized masters or saints. And some of them uh, left writings, very few did. Uh, others had disciples who wrote what their teachings were, but it's 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 really just re the true reality. You you can you can call it that. Yeah. Um, but I think you know I don't know that much about Buddhism per se. But you know I th I think the, the Buddha was an enlightened soul. But the thing is, you know, like the Bible can be uh, difficult to understand. Right. So you, you really need someone who's enlightened to interpret it. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, the, one of the most famous passages in the Bible, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and right. so on and so forth. Well, uh, people have different interpretations of what the word is. Well, you know, different masters and, and saints who've realized their divinity, they, they've all called it different things. Yeah. Um, you know, word is really the divine current. It's what emanates from the supreme being. It's why we are alive. It's the animating force. So, you know, the, the object, if, if you really want to be on a spiritual path, is to, to find a path that really uh, is is clear in terms of, of what, what the truth is. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, Michael, we are coming up on an hour here, but I um, I wanted to ask a question that we we spoke about previously. We, we touched on essential questions a, a little while ago, um, and I know I had asked this um, in, our, in our last conversation, but for folks who have not heard it, uh, we had spoken about the essential question and how it leads to happiness, and I'm wondering if we can talk about that uh, one more time and just kind of uh, break that down a little bit. Uh, oh, you mean the essential question I ask in, in the now, uh, yes. which is how uh, how to live as your aware self? Yeah. 
Well, um, yeah, well, well the, the, Anu now will we'll help guide you to that inner uh, mastery to learn to live as your well as your aware self. It's, I, I write about the five sources of wisdom and how to develop it. Uh, and it's also, you know, about knowing thyself and being true to yourself. Yeah. That, that's how to live. Um, it's really being very cognizant of what you take in, your sources of information. It's, it's really developing your, your inner shit detector test, yeah. if I may call it that. Yes. I mean, I, I think I'm lucky in that I, I feel I've developed it to a certain extent. And, you know, when I'm listening to somebody and watching someone uh, talk about things, you know, I get an immediate sense of what, whether they're saying is true or right. you know, how, how many grains or pounds of salt to infuse it with. Yeah. So it's really all about developing your awareness and, but also recognizing that, you know, God is in every living thing and, and treating everyone with, with all the kindness you can muster and being forgiving yeah. uh, at the same time, because everyone's in a sense is doing their best. Yes. And, and they really, they are not, they have not reached a, a, a point of self mastery so typically people can't help themselves. Um, so rather than get angry or frustrated, uh, it's just to let go and, and be forgiven and, and be kind uh, however you can. Yeah, I, I think that that is such a valuable lesson to close on. And it's something that I have to remind myself of often is that, like you said, to, to quote you, not everyone is at that level of, of self-mastery. And I, I would not claim to be either. I'm still working toward it, but I'm cognizant of the fact that I am on that path. And while other people aren't, it's important to be compassionate and lenient with them while still being strict with yourself. And I, I think that there's no better lesson there. Yes, absolutely. We, we can really just improve ourselves and, you know, we can't make people change, but we can be a model of, yeah. of the best behavior. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, Michael, I, I mean this with all the love in the world. You you have been an essential model and 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 not only in my life, but in the podcast. And I always love speaking with you because you bring a thoughtfulness and a, a, a sense of wisdom um, that it's hard for me to get elsewhere. So I, I really have to thank you uh, for having this conversation with me. Oh, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. Um, before we wrap up, I do have a few a few closing questions, uh, which I, I know we've spoken about before. So I'm curious if they're the same answers, uh, which is totally fine if they are. Um, but the first of which is I... I, I I'd like to be a resource for you because it, this, this conversation has been extremely valuable to me. So I, I want to open the floor. What is it you're looking for in this world that somebody listening might be able to help you out with? Oh, well, it's what I spoke about before. If, if, they, if they meditated, uh, that's, that's helping everyone around them and, and everyone in the world. Yeah. So, uh, you know, finding the meditation that is most comfortable, that they're most uh, pull to that resonates with them, that would help them and, and myself. I think that's the most selfless answer I've ever heard. And I, 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 I second it and I, I, I love hearing that. So I, I appreciate that. Um, the next question I know you'd answered previously and you even answered in this podcast, but I just want to reiterate, what is your life changing book? And if you have anything else to say about it, I, I invite you to. 
Well, yes, as I mentioned earlier, it's The Path of the Masters by Julian Johnson. It just really lays out what what reality is and why we're here. And uh, it goes through different religions and, you know, there's strengths and and uh, it's it's just it totally will ground you and and enlighten you. It's totally enlightening. That's fantastic. Thank you. And then the very last question, if you could leave the audience with one call to action, either one that you live your life by or that you try to implore others to live their lives by, what would it be? Well, it's to learn and to practice, learn to live as your aware self, as your aware self, and to be as loving and kind as possible. Yes, uh, I think that's and, right now, and, yeah. and to be kind to yourself. And, you know, awareness is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And to really, you know, let your imagination soar that you can achieve levels of awareness that you can't imagine at this point. And those levels of awareness would be just the, the most beautiful, ultimate bliss and love that is so beyond language it's, you can't even talk about. Yes. Michael, thank you again so much. Um, If people would like to reach out to you, contact you, find you online, purchase your books, what is the where are the best places for people to to do that? Well, well, a great place to start is my website, which is Goddard.com, G-O-D for God and D-A-R-T for Dart, Goddard.com. Also, um, I'm on Facebook. Um, My book page is More Bliss. On Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not that active on Twitter. Um, but uh, and, and if you have a burning metaphysical question, you can email me through through my website. Perfect. Michael, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, let me yes, know. I, I I know that uh, you're, you're, you you're, you spent some time in Bowling Green. If you ever come back out to Ohio, uh, let me know. And if I ever come out your way, I will be sure to do the oh, same. Hey, yeah, absolutely. I, I have such fond memories of my time in Ohio and the short visits I made to, to Columbus, which I enjoyed immensely. So it's well, always a treat to talk to you. You're, you're a wonderful being. Well, I I appreciate that, and uh, as are you. So, uh, again, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking again soon. All the very best and love. Again, I would like to thank Michael for joining me back on the podcast. It is always such a treat and a pleasure getting to speak with him. If you would like to learn more about Michael, if you would like to see the show notes for this particular episode, please visit themosaiclifepodcast.com. Also, it would mean the world to me if you would take just a moment to leave a five-star review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps me and it helps the podcast continue growing. If you have not had a chance to check it out yet, the first episode of the Bits of Happiness podcast was released this past Friday. You can listen to that and you can subscribe at bitsofhappiness.life. I am so incredibly thankful for all of the support, for all of the listeners, and for all of the feedback and reviews I've received. It absolutely means the world to me. Thank you so incredibly much. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.